Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Michael Fry, the creator of comic strips that include Committed and Over the Hedge, as well as the author and illustrator of the Odd Squad series of illustrated middle grade novels. The third book in that series, King Carl, is being published in late June by Disney Hyperion, which is sponsoring this podcast. The Odd Squad books follow Nick, Carl, and Molly and their adventures as members of the Safety Patrol at Emily Dickinson Middle School, a school that may or may not be host to the ghost of Emily Dickinson herself. In King Carl, the kids' lives are thrown into disarray when super dorky Carl is chosen to be king of the school by the secretive Emily's Society. Michael, thanks for speaking with me. Oh, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So you've been creating comics for, I think, more than 20 years. Uh, How did you get into that field originally? (laughs) 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) Long time. Too long. I started in college doing uh, editorial cartoons for the student newspaper. And the story I like to tell is I had uh, a bunch of talented roommates. One was a writer, one was a musician, and one was a photographer. And uh, they all had girlfriends, and uh, (laughs) and I didn't have anything. So I was very inspired by uh, Gary Trudeau and Doonesbury, and uh, I didn't end up with any girlfriends, but I did uh, start a career. Not bad. (laughs) So more recently, though, you've you've moved into children's books. What led to that? Well, as you may or may not know, the the changes in publishing – are also the same kind of things going on in uh, newspapers. And, um, you know, starting six or seven years ago, the the, the future looked a little bleak. And uh, it's not quite so bad now, but... So a lot of us who had had success as syndicated cartoonists were sort of casting around for something else we can do to use our skills. And, um, you know, thank goodness for the success of uh, Wimpy Kid. The publishers were sort of looking for that kind of thing, too. And so there were a couple of us who got agents and started talking about it. And, you know, I got in touch with uh, Dan Lazar and had a conversation and hit him with some ideas. And we sparked on something and that ended up becoming Odd Squad. I'm really excited about it. It's like, I wish I'd been doing this a long time ago. Of all the stuff I've done in my career, and I've done a ton of different things, this is by far the most satisfying. It, it gives me a, uh, a platform where, you know, I can tell a longer story, and there's a lot more space for the art, and it's done over a period of time, whereas doing a daily comic strip, you're, you're always under the gun. And uh, it's a little more, uh, uh, what's the word I want? Um, Civilized. <laughs> so you sort of enjoy it. There's a sort of an extended pace, I guess, or a slower pace yeah. to being able yeah. to. And it's also for someone like me who really needs an editor, you know, a lot of second, third, fourth swings at the plate to get stuff right. You know, writing's rewriting, and these go through many, many, many drafts. More drafts than I do on the comic strip. Mm-hmm. And uh, who is the editor you work with over at Disney? I l- work with uh, t- terrific uh, Lisa Yaskovich. Okay. So can you talk a little bit about where you wanted to take the friends Nick, Carl, and Molly in uh, the new book? Well, as you set up in the opening there, at the ending of the second book, it becomes clear that Emily or Emily's the super secret organization that uh, may or may not be running the school has picked Carl to become a member. And so that's where we pick up in the third book. And so mainly the book is concerned with uh, trying to figure out what the hell they want with Carl <laughs> and and also why Molly and uh, Nick were not chosen 
so they're a little put off by that. And then there's some various silly subplots involved, but it's mainly about finding out what's really going on behind the scenes and why it's going on. And, you know, the first two books have been out for a little while now. What sort mm-hmm. of response have you gotten over the past couple of years from kids and readers? Well, the the first one came out about a year ago, and the second one uh, in last September. It's been fantastic. I do a lot of school visits, and I talk to kids, and uh, they really respond to the material and to the to the the kind of wackiness of the stories. And I guess it's not surprising, but a little surprising to me. You know, my I've been told because I haven't read a lot of other of these kind of books, but I've been told that they're, I have, I set a rather frenetic pace and there's a lot of stuff going on, but the kids love that and they really, they keep up with it. So they seem to be responding really, really well. I've gotten terrific reviews, both from parents, librarians, and kids, and uh, the books have done really well. And it's been great. It's been very, unlike with a comic strip, which kind of becomes ubiquitous because you're doing it every day. It's sort of background noise. These books are special. And so there's a lot more uh, feedback than I would get with the the comics. And that's really rewarding. And of course, the other thing, too, is that the prose and text is, you know, easily half of this book, too. There's a real sort of interplay. What's what's your approach to how what you want the art to do in relation to the the storytelling and the way that they work together it's such a a joy to do these things because it really sets with works well with my skill set and the art as you saw and for others it's not they're not just illustrations of what's going on in the story there are some of those but they they serve to to move the story along there are charts and graphs and all sorts. Of, sometimes they're about what Nick's thinking. It, 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 all the books are told in the first person from Nick's point of view. And it's really a wonderful way to tell a story. It's not exactly a graphic novel. And of course, it's not what would be a more traditional chapter book with, you know, illustrations. It's, it's a hybrid. And uh, it's really a lot of fun to do because as you're writing it, there are things where you go, you start to write out a scene and, and, and stuff. And then you realize in the art, you can continue the story in a way that's much more interesting than if you were to carry the conversation or write a description or something like that. I also think that even though this, I don't know that Wimpy Kid started it, but you know, it kind of cemented it as a genre. And I think it's a genre that's here to stay. I think it's going to branch out into other things besides, you know, slice of life, middle school kind of stuff. I think this, this way of telling a story is is, uh, is going to be around. And humor is obviously a, a big part of the books. It's sort of really at sure. the forefront. I mean, what do you have the most fun with as far as when you're putting books together in terms of the relationships or the things you can do? Obviously, there's this great relationship between uh, Nick and his grandmother. Right. Well, that's every adult's favorite character. I don't know about the kids. Mm-hmm. And, and my favorite character is Carl, because Carl's kind of the only character in the book who's completely comfortable with himself, including the adults. A lot of it is setting up conflict that gives rise to a, you know a comedic situation and the stuff with Nick's grandmother is a lot of fun I mean every book has about I don't know five or six of her sayings that that are hard extremely hard probably the hardest thing I have to do is come up with those and make them original because mm-hmm. <laughs> because they, they sound like you know old southern sayings and different things but I'm pretty 
pretty uh, diligent about making sure that it isn't that it's something I made up and <laughs> you know not actual folk wisdom <laughs> right well you know you could do a lot of little variations but and stuff but it's it's better for it to be as original as possible I mean one of hers is is uh, a blind zombie will find some brains once in a while and uh, that's a takeoff of you know a blind pig will find an acorn so so I, I, sometimes I play off of known sayings, but she's funny. But in one of the things, I want to I want to say one of the things I try to do with the books. One of my rules is no stupid adults. A lot of kids' books use adults as foils to sort of flatter. It's kind of flattering the reader in a cheap way. I always wanted to to, to have the adults be context of a of a, it's a little bit over the top story, but them to be credible and not to just be you know silly foils for the kids and um so I've, I've tried to tried to keep to that and they're not always right nick's mom and grandmother and mr dupree the janitor they provide a kind of context in a sort of uh parameters for the kids to you know to bounce off against i try to keep them as credible as possible speaking of things that are i guess on the on the credible side, topics like bullying and zero tolerance policies and standardized testing all come up um, in the Odd Squad books. Right. Um, are these topics that are either close to your heart or have been on your mind? Well, I mean, I'm a you know father of two daughters who are adults now, so we went through all this stuff a few years ago. These are not issue books. I mean, these are these are essentially comedies, um, but I feel like they need to be about something. You know, there needs to be a point to it, and I like the idea that. For context's sake, especially with bullying and, like you said, zero tolerance and teaching the test, these are things kids have to deal with every day. You know, I remember back when my youngest daughter was like in fifth grade or whatever, and here they, they have the, the task test. I don't know if it's called that anymore, but she was completely brainwashed by the, the school and how important these things were and everything. And my wife and I were like, just roll our eyes and like, because it had becoming, it's gotten better, but at that point it had gotten out of control. And in the, the context of, you know, they spent way so much time trying to pass those tests that real learning was going by the wayside. I think that that pendulum is tra- starting to swing back again. So I feel pretty comfortable in preaching to the choir in term, these days in terms mm-hmm. of parents and kids. But again, their background. You know, it's just stuff to make, the, make it seem uh, recognizable to the kids and parents and librarians, uh, the world that they're in. And, uh, you know, I guess I get my little editorial digs in, but mm-hmm. it's not the main focus or point of it. Sure. I was curious, you know, as you mentioned earlier, there are some other uh, comics veterans who've been making the move uh, into children's books a bit. Right. You've got Lincoln Pierce, uh, Stefan Pastis, Mark Tatuli. I wondered, is, is, the, is the comics community pretty close-knit? Is there camaraderie among you guys? And has that carried over? <laughs> or... Yeah, there's some of us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know all those guys, and we're all pretty supportive of one another. There's probably a little bit, depending on when you started and not, you know, all of a sudden everybody else jumps into it, and I'm sure it's concerning, but there's more than enough success to go around with this sort of stuff. But yeah, we talk about it. I've talked to Mark Tatuli quite a bit, and uh, I'm excited about his book, and Lincoln is an old friend from years ago um, when he was doing, when Big Nate was a comic strip. I think all of us have had have had success at, at doing these things because it's such a natural extension of what we've 
spent our careers doing. And, um, you know, Jeff Kinney tried to become a syndicated cartoonist and didn't catch on, but then, you know, ended up doing this. So that's a great irony, you know, and now we're all just kind of following along. Mm -hmm. So, but, uh, I think we're here to stay and, uh, and keep doing it as long as they'll keep keep doing the books. Mm-hmm. So uh, to switch gears a little bit, uh, Over the Hedge became an animated film, I think, back in 2006. Right. How involved were you with the process and what was it like then to see your work translated to the big screen? Very exciting. I'm a, a big fan of the movie. They did a fantastic job. I mean, it's pretty humbling when, you know, you go out there and visit and there's like 600 people working on this thing that you just made up above your garage. <laughs> the The movie started actually way back when the strip first started, um, we sold the rights to Fox back in 1997 and uh, kind of sat on the shelf. We, I wrote, along with my partner, T. Lewis, the screenplay, and uh, it just sort of sat there and didn't go anywhere. And uh, fortunately, Jeffrey Katzenberg, the head of DreamWorks Animation, when uh, he initially bid on it and lost on it to Fox, and at the time he said, Fox will ne- never make this film, and when they don't, I will. And so it went into turnaround around 2000, 2001 and ended up over at DreamWorks. And they put it right into production. And uh, my role at that point was basically to stay out of the way, (laughs) which I was really good at. I like to tell people I had a couple of uh, arrows and a quiver that you can use in that situation. But you can't be a pest about it. You can't be constantly in their face. And so there were a couple of things where I kind of raised my hand and said, I don't think RJ would do this or I don't think whatever. And they listened and it was good. And I did I did a little bit of work on additional dialogue and some other things and a lot of work on the game for Activision. So it was a lot of fun. I mean, it, it's it's amazing what they do. And they, they took the gist of our... Uh, of our characters and, and and built it up into this massive, huge success. Made three hundred thirty-six million dollars worldwide. It was you know enormous. Yeah. So, on a sort of somewhat related topic, and your your website I think makes a, a sort of half joking, probably half not joking reference to uh, newspapers melting away like icebergs, and you know <laughs> uh, your other comic strip committed you know briefly became a animated TV series. Uh, you have a company called Ringtails that animates comics. Are you always sort of thinking about ways you can build and expand and transform the the things that you're working on and creating? Yeah, all the time. I mean, uh, Ringtails came out of the movie was a way to kind of spend that capital. And with my partner, Jim Cox, we raised some money. And and, uh, it's pretty dormant right now. It still exists, but it's not on the front burner anymore. But yeah, I'm always doing that. I, I, uh, I'm finishing up a short film I directed a couple of years ago. That's animation, half animation and uh, live action. And so, you know, I'm always looking for opportunities to do stuff. I've got a, I can't announce it yet, but a, a, another middle grade novel coming next year. And uh, we think it has a lot of film potential. So we'll see see what happens there so yeah um i really except i really enjoy doing the books and i really enjoy talking to the kids and you know promoting reading as much as i can and uh and and i these sorts of books kind of you know they're perfect for reluctant readers you know i'm, I'm really fortunate to be able to uh to i hope continue to do them you know speaking again of this sort of adaptation idea do you have any dreams of where you'd love to see the Odd Squad if it was not in the book form, you know, somewhere down the road. Yeah, I mean, I put a bug in 
any producer's ears, I think it's a perfect thing for like Netflix or Amazon, you know, where you House of Cards style, where you do 10 or 13 episodes all at once. And, uh, you know, each book could do that. And I think kids would eat that up. And I think it could be done fairly affordably, you know, animated. So I haven't gone out and pitched it. There's There's been some interest, but um, nothing so far. But um, I don't know. I've been busy. <laughs> Speaking of things that uh, kids responding to, when you do talk to them about these series, you, you, know, you mentioned that the character of Mima might be adults' favorites. But uh, what sort of things do kids tell you about? Uh, are there certain things you notice they seem to really respond to with the books? Yeah, I mean – What's great about them, you know, a lot of these books are kind of boy-centric, and it, I purposefully made them a team with boy, a boy, a girl, and a very, very strange boy. And uh, it's interesting to see who identify, you know, kind of breaks down Nick and Molly, but a lot of kids like Carl. It's interesting. And they do. They like – it's pretty madcap. And so it's it everything moves really quickly, and the kids love the illustrations, and uh, you know there's a lot of uh, sophomoric, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a few fart jokes, and if, I tell people that uh, I'm pretty good at this because my emotional development is uh, stopped around age twelve. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, I think that that brings me to the, my last question. Naturally, I have to ask: Are you um, are you a veteran of the safety patrol yourself? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I'll tell you one story about it that that I go to these places, and I the, the stories take place in middle school, where basically in the United States, safety patrol doesn't exist anymore. But in elementary schools, where I often go and do talks, they have something sort of like that. They don't call it safety patrol or whatever that it is. And uh, it's a very big honor. <laughs> and so I've, I've been schooled many times by people sort of chat, kids chastising me for making fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to tell them it's, it's a great honor in fifth grade, maybe not so great an honor in seventh grade. <laughs> That's good. Well, uh, congratulations again on the new book. And uh, Oh, thanks. thank you. Yeah. Uh, once again, I've been speaking with Michael Fry, whose new book is The Odd Squad, King Carl, published by Disney Hyperion and out in June. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast. Thank you.